Welcome to Leadership Matters, the Grace Fellowship Podcast, where our goal is to help you lead with greater clarity and passion to fulfill the vision that God has given to you. Here's your host, Garland Vance. Welcome to Leadership Matters. I'm your host, Garland Vance. Welcome to episode one. I'm so excited to welcome you to this introductory episode of Leadership Matters. And today we want to talk about a really important topic to start out the podcast. Why does your leadership matter? Just a couple weeks ago, I finished reading Simon Sinek's masterful book, Start With Why. He tells that most leaders and organizations start with what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. But the great organizations and the great leaders start with why. When we start with why, it's what helps connect our hearts to a vision and a mission. Why is what gives us energy to lead. So what better way to start off this new podcast than to start with why. Why does your leadership matter? And to help me with this conversation, I have an incredible guest today, Jeff Dietz, the campus pastor of Grace Fellowship North. Jeff, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks, Garland. It's uh, it's good to be here. I'm excited about what we're talking about today. I think it's going to be uh, fun to talk about. So, Jeff, tell us uh, a little bit about Grace Fellowship's North Campus that you lead. Yeah, so I've been on staff at Grace Fellowship for roughly about five years now, and I was hired to come in and help launch a campus. So prior to that, Grace Fellowship had planted two churches, um, but they were wanting to reach in a specific area of Katy, Texas, that most churches were abandoning and leaving. It's the more uh, economic uh, lower economic areas of Katy. And also it is, uh, it's about 49% Hispanic. And so Grace Fellowship wanted to move in while other churches were moving out. And they wanted to start uh, work there, uh, reaching the demographic as it was. So rather than start a Spanish service at original campus and ask those people to come down here, they wanted to start a campus in the northeast corner of Katy, uh, where we represented the demographic as it was. So the same pastor preached the same message in English in one service, Spanish in a Spanish service. Uh, So it was one church, two services, rather than two churches in one building. And so they hired me to come down and and be a part of that. And it's it's been going great. And that means you have double duty every week. Not only do you have to write a sermon in one language, but then you have to go about and translate it into the next uh, language. That's, man, that's quite a task. If if you are not a member or an attender of Grace Fellowship in Katy, Texas, that's okay. This is still going to be a great podcast for you. Uh, let me give a little context to why we talk about leadership development at Grace Fellowship, because it's been a significant topic in the last Uh, three years, and it's going to continue being a significant topic for at least 10 years. So in 2015, a team of staff and members from Grace Fellowship went away to discover what Grace Fellowship needed to do in the coming years 
to move toward accomplishing its vision of being a house of prayer for all nations. That team walked away, and they said, uh, within the next 10 years, we must, so this is a direct quote, we must identify, develop, equip, and mobilize 800 servant leaders who want to fulfill the vision of Grace Fellowship. That team walked away with that one singular answer, 800 servant leaders. So I wasn't here when Grace Fellowship uh, identified this as an objective and uh, and started uh, organizing around this. But Jeff, you were. So what was it like for you as a staff member when you all started talking about and identifying leadership development as a focal point for Grace Fellowship? Yeah, I would say that it was uh, exciting and uh, scary all at the same time. Uh Exciting, uh, because anytime you talk about leadership development, I think it's a good thing. Uh, but to raise 800 leaders uh, is exciting, a large vision, and also very scary. Uh, brought a couple of questions to my mind, were the first things that came to my mind. First is, what do they mean by leader? Uh, I think people throw that word out there a lot, and so what you mean by leader is really important. And then the second question that came immediately to my mind is, okay, uh, once we define what a leader is, then who's going to raise these leaders up? Who's going to train these leaders? And then a third question would be, what are they going to lead? If we have 800 new leaders with nothing for them to lead, um, are we going to have problems on our hands? Uh, so those were the things going through my mind um, when, when the vision came out uh, to get 800 leaders. And those have been some of the questions that the executive leadership team at Grace Fellowship has been identifying over the last year. And actually, the, um, the what is a leader will be the topic of podcast number two. So uh, we're going to dig into that uh, next month. Awesome. I'll be, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> I Actually, that's one of the reasons you came on staff here too, Garland. Uh, you know, we brought you in to be a big part of that leadership development process. What, what's it been like for you since coming on board uh, with all that? Uh, it, it's been um, exciting and scary. Uh, I would say those are, are some of the same words um, that, uh, that, that you've had. Um, so for me, I think one of the biggest obstacles that, uh, that I've encountered is that people often downplay the significance of their leadership. Uh, if they're not a CEO or a COO or they're not on, on church staff, um, there are so many times where I've heard people either say that they don't believe they are a leader or that their leadership uh, doesn't matter. And um, and when you're leading a ministry or you're uh, you're uh, in a Sunday school classroom with kids or something along those lines, you don't always see immediate results in their lives, and so it's easy to think that your leadership doesn't matter. Um, and so I've had to to work really hard to try to have a lot of conversations with people to say, as a Christian, when you lead, you are demonstrating Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter if you lead in your local church or in your workplace or in your home or in your neighborhood. When you lead, you model Jesus Christ, and so your leadership matters. Um, But I've often had people ask questions about why does leadership matter? Why does it matter? So, Jeff, as you and I have talked, we've discussed two reasons why leadership matters. Uh, There's definitely a lot more, 
than, than just those two. But we keep coming back to, to two over and over. So the first reason that leadership matters is that leadership is biblical. It's written all over the Bible. So tell us some thoughts that you have on leadership in the Bible. Yeah, it's, interestingly enough, like in, in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And that word perish there in the Hebrew is actually parei, uh, literally means to let go, to put off restraint. Um, and the number one usage of that word in the Bible uh, in, in the Old Testament uh, is when it's referring to leadership. So, so literally what it's saying is where there is no vision, there is no leadership. The people abandon leadership. Uh, and we see leadership all throughout the Bible. Um, God, God definitely talks about it. You see it in creation. God, when he created Adam and Eve, he gave them the charge to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and, and, and subdue it to lead over God's creation. Um, all the way through scripture, you see him referencing his people, calling them out to lead, to reflect his glory. Um, it, it, it's the responsibility. It was what we were created for. Uh, and so you can, as you look through the Bible, as you work through God's God's plan, uh, leadership has always been a part of it. Uh, and, and and you could almost say that a a framework or a definition the the Bible gives us for a leader is a leader is someone who walks with God, discovers His purpose and His plans for their life and and for others around them, and then mobilizes others to accomplish that purpose. In fact. Basically, that's the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, Jesus says, uh, interestingly enough, he says, go, and, and in the Greek, that word is actually, as you are going. So it's assumed from, on Jesus' part, you know, as you are going and making disciples, then teach them in the way that they should go. And um, interestingly enough, he's, he, he gives a specific order there that I think sometimes we get backwards. Um, he doesn't say teach people and, and thus make them disciples. He says make disciples and then teach them. And so I think uh, leadership is a biblical mandate. Uh, and I, I also think that, that it's more, um, it, it's not a knowledge-based leadership as more as it is, walk, as Paul says, follow my examples, I follow Christ. Um, it, it is kind of how I see it played out in the Bible. How would you say it's, it's biblical, Garland? Yeah, so, man, great insights uh, on, on that. And um, I would say that one of the ways that I see that biblical uh, that leadership is biblical is by the flip side of it that the Bible is filled with bad leaders who lead people astray from God's purposes. Uh, I think that leadership is so important that uh, that the enemy uh, of a Christian of all people is. Uh, is one who wants to lead others astray. He wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And yet we have God who's saying, I want to lead you to green pastures and besides still waters. And so one of the ways that that we see leadership in the Bible is through bad leaders, through Pharaoh leading the Israelites into slavery, through um, the Old Testament kings leading people away from God and to false idols. And Jesus, the biggest struggles that he had with uh, people were with the religious leaders uh, of the day. So I think there are, are plenty of leaders out there who want to either intentionally or inadvertently lead people away from God. I think leadership is important and it's biblical because over and over and over again, God's using leaders to lead 
people to the places that he wants them to go, to hold up a light and say, this is where God is headed. Let's, let's get on it. So I think that's one of the reasons why leadership really matters is because leadership is biblical. Let me throw out a second reason that I think uh, it's biblical um, or that I think it's important. Uh, I think it's important because leadership is historical. Now, I'm not much of a church history buff. I took a couple of classes on it uh, in seminary, and I feel like I always had to to keep track of all of the people and the places, so I'm not much of a history buff. But I know enough history to know that God consistently uses leaders to bring about His purposes. And anytime we see God's kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it means that God has moved, and more often than not, He's moved through a leader or a team of leaders. So leadership is uh, leadership matters because it's historical. So, Jeff, you and I have talked about this uh, a little bit. I'd, I'd love to hear one of the examples from history that you like. Yeah. So, uh, one one person that comes to my mind, one of my heroes of the faith is a guy named George Whitfield. Um, so, George Whitfield was born in England, grew up in England, grew up in a time in church history where the church literally believed that the only place you could preach the gospel was inside the church building. Uh, and and so uh, the, the the church was kind of stifling uh, in England. Uh, right around that time, uh, people were moving to America, and uh, the likes of John Wesley and, and whatnot were coming to America trying to evangelize the colonies in America and whatnot. Uh, and, and George Whitfield, um, was sent to the Americas actually by John Wesley. John Wesley himself had come to America and, uh, and kind of failed almost in, in reaching, uh, the colonies with the gospel. Uh, in fact, there's evidence that when John Wesley came back to England after a failed missionary journey to the United States, essentially, um, he, he actually told George Whitfield, hey, I wouldn't go to the Americas. It's a lost cause. Um, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that, that leadership has to be driven by vision, right? You have to have that vision. And uh, so George Whitfield uh, was kind of an odd duck. He, uh, he loved theater, which in the day also was assumed to be sinful because uh, they would have men back, back then in England. Men would have to play the parts of women because women couldn't act. Right. Uh, and they thought that was a sin. Uh, but George Whitfield loved theater and loved storytelling. Uh, and so he, he was an odd duck in England. Uh, he decided he was going to go anyways to the United States on his uh, missionary journey. When he got here, uh, he, he wasn't allowed to preach in the churches because of his love for theater and whatnot. Um, and so he, in his autobiography, he describes this dichotomy he had of, of wanting to share the gospel but not fitting into the status quo. And he felt like the Holy Spirit just just led him to just uh, preach the gospel through storytelling the way he did. Uh, and so he broke the mold. He started preaching on street corners and, and in theaters and things of the such and ended up being one of the most influential people in the great awakening of this country. Um, and even back then, in those early years, was having 30,000, 40,000 people show up to hear him speak. In fact, there's, there's a quote from uh, Ben Franklin uh, who came and who loved— uh, uh, I'm sorry, not Ben Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, who loved uh, listening to George Whitfield speak. And, and there's a, a quote of his in one of his autobiographies of how uh, George Whitfield was coming to Boston to speak, and he wanted to go hear George Whitfield, so he left his wallet at home because every time he 
heard George Whitfield speak, he was moved to give <laughs> uh, money, and uh, and he, so he went and he heard heard George Whitfield uh, speak, and at the end of the message, they were asking for. Uh, contributions to help itinerant preachers go share the gospel. Uh, and and so he turned to his neighbor and asked for a loan from his neighbor and ended up paying him back uh, to give. And George Whitfield, I think, is a historical figure uh, that shows leadership to me because he allowed vision to guide him. He didn't allow the status quo or the, the theory behind how the gospel should be presented of the day, the education of the day, stop him. Uh, he followed the vision God had given him. And the abilities and giftings God had given him, uh, and ended up ended up being one of the most influential figures in spreading the gospel in the colonies uh, in the first Great Awakening of this country. How about you? What's one of your favorite guys? Yeah, that's awesome. That is that is awesome. Uh, George Whitfield, um, great great story. Yeah, for for me, it's a guy named William Wilberforce who has become uh, a little bit popular in uh, in recent years. He was a a British. Uh, uh, politician who helped abolish the slave trade uh, and eventually slavery, and his life was uh, written about in Eric Metaxas's book *Amazing Grace*, and then uh, turned into a movie uh, a few years ago. Um, what I love about his leadership is something that I think people overlook a lot. Um, he's known as kind of a George Whitfield in the sense of this huge visionary who laid down his life for this vision of um, the abolition of, of slavery. What gets overlooked in Wilberforce's life a lot is that he actually assembled a group of people uh, in this place called Clapham. And all of those people were fighting against slavery. They called themselves the Clapamites or the Clapham Circle. And it wasn't just political leaders. It was uh, all kinds of work and industry that were banding together. So they had poets and authors and pastors and politicians and all kinds of different uh, people, even former slaves who were part of uh, the Clapham Circle. And they, they led uh, together and they worked together to influence their various spheres of influence, but all for the common vision of abolishing uh, slavery. And um, actually, Martin Luther King Jr. modeled uh, the same type of action in the civil rights movement in the 1960s. He was the, you know, kind of the major leader, the major figurehead, but he gathered together this, this team of people from all these spheres of influence to influence their individual sphere, and then it spread out uh, across culture. Now, you and I have talked. These are two reasons that we keep coming back to over and over about why leadership matters. There's a, a thousand more, right? There's a thousand more, but these we think are two of the most fundamental. Uh, your leadership matters uh, because the Bible and history demonstrate that God works through leaders. Hey, Jeff, your leadership matters, man. Thanks for leading Grace Fellowship North. One of my desires in this podcast is to um, expose our leaders to uh, to other leaders who can spur each other on toward greater leadership capacity. So um, I'm going to ask you just a, a couple of questions. The first is, um, tell our listeners one way that you are currently walking uh, with God to grow in your leadership. Yeah, so for me, leadership is, is kind of discipleship-based more than uh, book-smart kind of based, in my opinion. 
Um, so one of the ways I'm seeking to grow my leadership is to constantly remind myself uh, to be a learner first. Uh, in order to lead others, I've got to be led myself. Uh, and and some of that humility that's involved uh, with that. And so finding people, surrounding myself with people that are leading me uh, and giving them the right to lead me uh, keeps me leadership-focused and leadership-minded in, in the lives of others and helps, me rem- rem- helps remind me uh, to walk in such a way that I'm leading well those that are underneath me. Uh, so I'd say be a learner first. So second thing I would say is, uh, to walk alongside those I'm leading. I think so many people, uh, so, so I, I, I mentioned Proverbs earlier, it, where there is no vision, the people perish or cast off restraint, cast off leadership. Um, one of the interesting things in my, in my understanding of vision is that uh, anybody can communicate vision and churches communicate vision really well, right? We put it on our t-shirts, on our coffee mugs, right. uh, whether you call it a mission statement vision, you know, we could get into, into all that, but uh, vision is often communicated very well from churches. Uh, it's often cast very poorly. Uh, and, and I think the difference there is the biblical model of God in our leadership uh, that, that we're like Jesus said in the Great Commission, we're to make disciples and then we're to teach them in the way that they should go. Uh, and so the second thing I would say to make sure that my leadership is constantly growing is to walk with those I'm leading. So not just give them, not just communicate what I want them to do, uh, but actually walk it out with them. And like Paul would say, let them follow my example as I follow Christ uh, is is important. I think when I'm doing those, then I'm growing in leadership myself, right? Uh, as the Spirit works through me in the lives of those I'm leading, uh, then he's also at the same time working in me. And theologians use big terminology to say that. We would say the prevenient grace that God extends through me to others becomes my sanctifying grace. Um, And so Jesus exemplified that, walked with the disciples for three years uh, before uh, leaving the church in their hands. And I think one of the biggest parts of leadership that that we miss often is what's not written in the Bible. Um, in the four gospels, we see Jesus give instruction to the disciples and teach, but what isn't seen is all the times he's just walking with them, living life with them, eating, sleeping, just relationally interacting with them. That I think is a big part of his leadership. Uh, and a big reason why after he left earth, they continued even unto death. Most, most of them, it wasn't just the that he had communicated his plan and purpose because God's been communicating his plan and purpose through Scripture throughout all of history. It's that he had cast it. He had lived it out with them. They had seen it. They had walked with him. Uh, so it was their own by the time he left. Uh, those, those would be the, the, the big ones for me, I, I think. Jeff, that's that's so good. I think one of the to play off of this idea of walking beside people, walking walking with people. One of the challenges that was given to me by a mentor recently is to stop casting vision and start sweating vision. And you know, he said when you when you cast a vision, if you think of it like like casting out a a, a, um, a fishing line, that you're throwing it out there and you're hoping that somebody will bite. But if you're sweating something and somebody's beside you, they're going to get sweaty and stinky with you. And so he said, sweat the vision uh, wherever you go. That's a, That's been a big challenge for me. 
So we, we've had, a, this is a pretty heady podcast. We've been talking about the reason why uh, leadership matters. Um, that's not going to always be the focus. In fact, um, we want to help leaders expand their capacity so that they can fulfill the calling that God has uh, for them. Uh, so let's talk just a little bit about a few actions that people can take away that would help their leadership capacity grow. So Jeff, what what actions do you think a person could take at the end of this podcast that could help expand their leadership capacity? Yeah, I'd say start off by engaging with the scriptures. I mean, dig deep in the Bible, right? Uh, if Allow the Spirit to lead you through His written word. Everything we need, I, I believe, for effective leadership uh, can be found in scripture. Um now, it helps to have other resources that expand on that scripture, um, but it begins with us digging into scripture. If that's the word of God, uh, and if it's living and breathing and active, like Hebrew says, um, then, then we need to be absorbing that. And, and, not, and not, just, not just reading scripture, um, but, but study scripture through the lens of, of leadership. Okay, what, you know, what can I glean about leadership as I read through Scripture? And you can start and go all the way through Genesis to Revelation and see uh, lots of things about leadership. I mean, um, you, like Hebrews would say, you know, when you get to Hebrews 11, you talk about the heroes of the faith, you know. Um, many of them were, were failures uh, right. by, by most people's eyes and standards, uh, but then they make the Hall of Fame uh, in Scripture— um, <laughs> So I think we can learn a lot by following the example of those that have gone before, uh, and we can see those in Scripture. That'd be one one resource, uh, and probably one of the most important uh, resources, I'd say. Maybe another one would be to accept God's invitation to lead. Recognize that, um, like, like Jesus says in Matthew 5, we are to be the salt of the earth. So Christianity was never meant to be uh, me-centric. It was never meant to be about me, and, and, and we, we run the risk. The more we water down the gospel and the more sensitive we get uh, to the culture around us and being politically correct and whatnot, we, we run the risk of losing the fact that all of us, if we are believers, have been called to go make disciples and teach them in the way that they should go. And it's not the pastors, it's every believer, right? Yeah. Uh, and so accept your invitation. That doesn't mean you need to go to seminary. doesn't mean you need to become a pastor. Uh, you know, if you're a teacher, it means you teach those kids with the love of Christ. If you're a trash truck driver, you're, you're collecting people's trash with the love of Christ. However it is, in whatever capacity God has called you and given you, your mission field, whether it's your neighborhood, your family, or, or whatever it is, um, accept the fact that God has called you to be salt of the earth. And that if you lose your saltiness, if you're not being effective in that regard— then he says you're only worth being trampled, you know, thrown out and trampled on. That's a pretty pretty heavy indictment uh, from Jesus. What w- what would you say or some? Well, one thing I'd say is, I, so I have a former mentor of mine uh, named Steve Moore, who's actually uh, just published a book. I don't get any royalties from recommending uh, this book, um, but it's it's a book called uh, The Top 10 Leadership Conversations in the Bible. So he actually went from Genesis to Revelation, identified over a thousand uh, leadership conversations that take place in the Bible and then um, created a, a, a matrix of, uh, you know, what are the most important ones. And um, so he just uh, wrote this book. My copy is uh, in the mail as we speak. 
uh, and I am uh, I'm super uh, super excited about it. So uh, check that out if if you're interested. Top ten leadership conversations uh, in the Bible. Um, and then I, I would just add a, a just a, a, a last super practical one. Ask for feedback from people that you lead. Um, I think one of the easiest ways to do that is what what I call what's called a start stop continue conversation. Hey, in my leadership, what what should I start doing that I'm not doing? What should I stop doing that I am doing? And what should I continue doing that I'm doing right now? What helps me lead you more effectively? And um, just getting feedback. Feedback doesn't have to be a painful thing. Um, if if uh, we open up our heart, and as you mentioned earlier, learning takes humility, and so does feedback. It takes a little bit of humility to say, "Hey, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to get it uh, absolutely right." But um, that's one of the best ways. Hey, how can I? What can I start, stop, and continue uh, with you, Jeff? Thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you. Any last things you want to say before we sign off? Man, look forward to it. Can't wait to hear hear next next podcast. I'm excited now. <laughs> yeah, so our next podcast we'll be talking about the the five characteristics of a leader at Grace Fellowship, and uh, I'll have uh, Julia Johnson uh, with me to to do that. Um, hey, thank you for listening to Leadership Matters. Our prayer is that God will expand your leadership capacity so that you can fulfill the calling that He has for you. 